Welcome to The Hype Within, exploring journeys of authentic leadership and growth. On the show, tech leaders will share their stories of developing their leadership skills and challenges they faced along the way. You'll learn about their approaches to self-reflection and personal growth and how they've been able to build a foundation of authenticity that has propelled them to success. I'm your host, Hannah Jakover, B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. Are you ready to get hyped up? Let's dive in. Hey, leaders, I'm here with Yifat Baror, who is the co-founder and chief growth officer at OSA Commerce. That's one step ahead. And I'm really excited for us to dive into company culture today and talk about how leaders can really cultivate company culture and how that starts at the very top. So hopefully there will be some valuable insights for you as the listeners today. Hi, Yifat. How are you? Hi, I'm really excited and hyped to be here. So thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I would love if you could kick us off by just doing a little bit more of an intro to yourself and your journey into where you are now and your leadership. And I also always like to ask people to talk a little bit about their leadership style. Sure. Yeah. So I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. I started my career in my early 20s. That gives away my age now. My first business was in retail. I lived in Amsterdam when I was younger, and I really fell in love with all the boutiques, lifestyle boutiques and stores. And I decided that I wanted to create that. And I built a chain of retail stores and a distribution business. And I created my own uh, private label. And I was able to exit with that company. We were doing things that were e-commerce before people really knew what e-commerce was all about. So pop stores and email blasts and all these things. It was a really exciting time. We were innovating on a daily basis. And I later came to the United States. I continued to work in e-commerce, bringing international brands into different marketplaces in the U.S. And today I'm a co-founder and a chief growth officer, like you mentioned, for OSA Commerce. And we're basically trying to solve the data chaos for retailers in the supply chain. So we support them on the product journey to really help them sell more, increase their revenue, being closer to their customers. So that's what we're all about. And we're one step ahead in supply chain. That's the OSA name. In terms of my leadership, I would say I am very direct. That's definitely part of my uh, leadership. I'm very compassionate and I really lead with authenticity. It's really important to me to be very open with the people who I work with. Mm, what an amazing journey. And yeah, how fascinating that like, I, I mean, I love the, I'm sure somebody has made this connection before, but like the, your journey and the name of the company, like you really were one step ahead when it came to in your personal journey, when it came to e-commerce and diving into that space and what a perfect time to now help others when it's booming e-commerce and then thinking about connecting it to data because that is typically where the problem and the answers are. <laughs> exactly. I actually never thought about it that way. So thank you for that. The one step ahead. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you fought just in general, one step ahead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm curious. Who or what has been your greatest inspiration or influence in your leadership journey? 
Yeah. So no, the definitely allies people that we're not going to name all of them, but I think really early on, I was in the army. I'm Israeli. So I go to the army and during my army service, I was in a very male dominated environment, specifically in that specific unit. And there was one woman commander and, and I was around 19 and a half. That, that was my age at that time. And she was an inspiration because the way she led in that group of men and stayed authentic to herself and compassionate, that's where I, I get that, and not trying to be anything else but what she was and bringing that in to support others, she really made a huge impact on me. She really empowered me at a very young age, if you think about it. And I always, I will never forget that. I'm still in touch with her today. That's fantastic. Yeah, what a great lesson to learn at 19. I mean, I wish that I had somebody like that right there in front of you at that early age to teach you about authenticity, especially in a space where, you know, potentially you wouldn't get that. Well, I know that you feel very strongly about the role of leadership in shaping company culture. You've obviously done it multiple times. And so I'm excited to talk about this today and the idea of how culture really starts at the top. You know, everybody wants to know, how do I build a great culture? How do I nurture a good culture within my company as a leader? What are some ways that either at OSA or your previous ventures, how have you done this? Start that company culture at the top and ensure that you as a leader are really living and breathing that and inspiring others to to live the culture as well. Sure, yeah. I think first of all, it's a great opportunity to say how amazing people, our people at OSA are. We're really surrounded by a group of innovators and kind people, people who really enjoy working together. So I think that's the baseline. And when you have those relationships, you can grow and scale and really create amazing things when you have that mindset. First of all, it starts with hiring. You have to know how to hire the right talent. And you have to be really, really clear about, you know, your company values and what you're trying to achieve. But having a great product, especially in tech companies, is not enough. It's great. It's awesome. But the product doesn't sell itself. You have to have the right group of people who can really push it forward. They have to be hustlers, so they have to care, right? They have to work together seamlessly, so they have to be the right people who can really work as a team and collaborate. It's all about collaboration. So I'm very proud of the team we have today. I mean, you feel, I feel like people enjoy working together, and I'm that's some, the thing that I'm mostly proud. We just came back from a conference in New York, and the team was there, and some of the part of the team, and it was just amazing to see, like, people just can't wait to get together. And especially after COVID, you know, it's refreshing. So that is a very important piece. And with culture at the top, you know, it has to come from the strategy. If you, you want your company to have a winning mindset, you want to make sure that the values align with how you're hiring and how you're building up your talent and your people in your company. Yeah, and I hear a lot of really great themes there, you know, values, collaboration, people, and very foundational pieces. I'm curious when you say, okay, it starts with people, right? It starts with those relationships and aligning these hires, these individuals to the values or ensuring that they have those values instilled with them rather. 
how do you make sure that you do that? Especially if it's not you personally doing it, how do you make sure that that connection is there? I think, first of all, talk to your people. As leaders, have conversations. I mean, see a lot of leaders that post all these inspirational quotes on LinkedIn and social media, but internally, you have to do the work. You have to know who you're working with. You have to have really authentic conversations to understand what are your people goals? Not for today, but for the long term, so you can support them. I think, you know, if by setting an example, this is why I say it starts from the top, because if your co-founders are not doing it, if your CEO is not just doing it, it's going to trickle down. But if you have that uh, notion that everybody understands that that's important and we care about who's sitting across from us on a Zoom or on a desk, I think that creates very unique relationships. And again, people will do more when they're connected to a, a value and a goal and they feel like it's a collaborative goal that they're all sharing. They will work harder for you. They will fight the good fight. So I think it's, it's a lot about listening, honestly, listening and then see how you support your people. Yeah. And we talk a lot about listening and active listening specifically on, on this podcast and what that looks like, as well as leading by example. You know, it has to start with you as the leader. Like you said, if you're not doing it, why would anybody else want to as well? Absolutely. I think too, something you might agree with given your leadership style is, is being authentic can sometimes mean I'm not hundred percent today, you know, like I want to be here and, and show you that I am leading by example, but today is not a great day. And just being honest about things like that too. Yeah. We have, we do like coffee with these fats. So it could be like random conversations about like how to rewire your brain. And we just go on and we each talk about things and our daily life, nothing to do with work. And exactly what you just mentioned, I shared an experience I had that wasn't the best. And the people on the call, especially the more junior ones, were really, really shocked. They were like, I can't believe you felt that way. You, you felt that way. That was like, yeah, that happens to all of us. We've all, and then you put your best foot forward and you go and you try again and that's okay. But I think young people think everything today, I'm a mother to a teenage daughter as well. So I see they think everything is like, needs to happen fast. and. That's the world we live in, but it, it does require failure and it does require like getting up from that. It happens to everyone. Everyone has the challenges. They have to get up and try again. Mm-hmm. I have a five-year-old, so I have a long ways to go. To <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. But yes, the kids, it's like they can show you just so many levels of thinking and like the generational thinking and how things have shifted. I think it's incredible that they can do that. And they're also little mirrors as well. They show us things that we need to see about ourselves. I'm going to go off on just like a little mini aside because you said something that got me excited. You said how to rewire your brain. And I'm such a neuroscience nerd. I'm just curious, like, what is your thought process on that? And what do you do to rewire your brain? I am a big believer that what you tell yourself does make that impact on the brain. And, uh, I try even with my kids to teach them that. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. It's harder to do that at SADS, right? Like it really is a muscle, right? The brain is a muscle and you have to work at it. So try to be kind to yourself. I mean, we're all doing a million things all the time from parenting to work to, you know, 
wherever we want to be and grow into, it's really important to be kind to ourselves. So it starts from there. So for me, it can be meditation, it can be yoga, it really resets me. And also, especially when you have challenge and you're going through a really, really hard time, remember that that too shall pass. That's like my, my go-to statement because in business, especially in startups that I've been in uh, working for so many years, it goes like up and down, up and down, right? When you have a great day, you're enjoying it, but you're enjoying it for a millisecond and then you go to the next thing in startups. And I tell myself when things are really good, this too shall pass. And then when things are bad, I also tell myself this too shall pass. And that's also part of that rewiring to kind of give you that perspective, you know, in life. Yes, I am 100% about that message. And I feel the same way. I was actually just reading my Sada book last night called Mop Rides the Wave of Life. And it's all about exactly what you just said. When the negative feelings come, it's like a wave. It will pass. When the good waves come, ride it, enjoy it, and they pass too. And so I love that connection because we were just reading that book last night and I tried it. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to get that book for my six-year-old. Yes, it's a good one. It's very, very cute and is a great way of sharing that message that you just communicated. Okay, so I want to get back to talking about culture and value when you're showcasing and, and walking the walk and talking the talk around your company values and culture. You see that then trickle down and you see you know, potentially an, an increase in positive performance with the organization. Do you have any stories around that where we can kind of see how that works and how exactly values and company culture have that direct impact on performance? Yeah, I'll actually tell you a, a negative story, okay? And because I think that it's really important to learn from those as well. One of the companies that I worked with the culture was to be very direct. See, I like direct, but to do the feedback in front of everyone. So publicly, okay. And when you have something good to say, a positive, a praise, it would always be done behind closed doors. Okay. So when you think about that culture and you think about that employee and even a leader working in a company like that, it's really, really tough. It's brutal. So what it created was people not being honest about what the company needed because they were afraid to speak their voice, right? So this is how that culture really shut down all those creative voices, all those innovators, right? They were trying to do better because they were afraid. Nobody wants to be publicly humiliated. And then also after people saw that that's not going away, the company was doing really, really well, okay? But because of those behaviors, the good people started to leave because if you're a good talent, you know your alternatives. You're not going to sit and have that day after day after day. You want to work in a place that praises you publicly, right? And I think it's really important to say here, I'm very much about feedback. I think it's very important to be very direct and give feedback to your employees. A lot of leaders are they shy from it. They don't want to say something, but there's a way to give feedback, right? If you do it with no emotion, and you provide it in a professional manner, one-on-one, -on -one, people can grow. As a leader, you, you should be invested in your people for their growth. Part of that is feedback. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm against that. I'm just, I was very against in the public way that it was done because there's no positive in that. No one can grow from that. 
Yeah, that I mean, what a tough environment for sure. Yes. And you hear today too, praise in public, criticize in private is sort of the golden rule when it comes to feedback. So completely flipping that on its head and being in an opposite environment. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a negative impact that would have on things like psychological safety. And like you said, nobody's sharing those creative ideas. Nobody feels safe to do that because they don't want to be criticized in public. Great story. And think about it. There are a lot of times that exactly in companies, what you see is that people who provide feedback on something that's not working, something that can be improved, those people, and especially the cultures and negative cultures like that, they be, they get shut down. Nobody wants to hear them. But those are exactly the people that many times provide the most valuable feedback for companies to grow. So again, it's, it's that culture. If you're not an open culture and you don't provide that safe harbor for people to voice their feedback, worries, opinions, then you're not going to be able to scale. You're not. And a lot of the times those people are sort of targeted as like negative Nancy's or, you know, I mean, again, I'm I'm lacking maybe the the American slang, but I've heard that before many times. And it's not in the company's benefit. Definitely not. One thing you said too, that I find interesting, and I think it almost connects back to what we were talking about, about rewiring your brain is you said when you're giving feedback to have no emotion in that, right? And I find that interesting in a sense that the way that I think about that is we're always emotional. We always have emotions, right? Emotions in in my mind are just, it's energy moving through the body. And when you say, don't bring emotion into that, it doesn't mean that like you can't have emotions or that you're not going to have emotions. It's that choice to stay unattached from your emotions and you might be able to acknowledge them but you're not bringing them into that conversation where you are attached to your emotions and then it's impacting that conversation what are your thoughts on that i I 100 agree i think it's exactly that i think you know it's okay we all are moving like you said with emotion and that's just a natural thing but as leaders when you're giving feedback to your employee take a minute think about how you're presenting there's a human across from you you don't know what's going on maybe in their personal lives right you want to be able to provide that without harming their self-esteem their confidence what is your goal your goal is to do better right your goal is unless you're putting an employee on a pip and you think this is pretty much like not going anywhere, then your goal is to have that employee awaken and and do better, right? Like uh, get up and and, and be able to take that feedback and leverage it to help the company to help himself. So I think in that sense, when providing feedback, you have to, as leaders, just think about how you're going to present it. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's not about you, right? It's about them and their improvement or perhaps finding a better way for them to go and work or for them to go and find um, that awareness that you're talking about. You said something really interesting. You said it's about them and finding them a better way. And I think, you know, that's the key. When you listen and you know your employees, it goes back to what we just discussed earlier. Then you can basically accommodate Maybe your employee is doing something a certain way, but it's not working out. But if you know him, and this has happened to me a lot of times, then you understand that his attributes, his like unique talent should be worked in a different way. But if you don't have those conversations and don't know your people and what 
they're they're passionate about, you're not going to be able to do that. It's all about people and the relationships. And that's a human that you need to understand and listen to to be able to like successfully have these conversations. Shifting gears a little bit. So you told this great story, right? The negative story about how there was this public criticism for people and then the private praise. And we see that, right? We see it. We see the stories of the the CEOs and the leaders and, and all of those negative things that ultimately come down to them not displaying the company values or living by the company values. Like they're really not starting at the top. And for me, you scratch your head, right? Why do some C-suite executives overlook this pivotal role of company values in their business success? What are your thoughts on that question, that big that's question? A really, that's a really good question. I think just being in these positions for many years, I think there's a lot of pressure, okay, on, on co-founders, on C-suite leaders, especially tech companies. We get investors come in. There's a ton of pressure, right? And I think sometimes those C-level executives, they focus so much on the KPIs and so much on their investors that they forget that the people, not the product, not the investors, the people who work for you, with you, those are the ones who are going to scale the company. And it's just because of that pressure and time management, don't forget time management is all, building a culture takes time. It's not like something you can do on the side. It really requires being there and having regular touch bases with your people, company meetings, like I told you, the coffee with Ifat that has not, not have nothing to do with necessarily with work, just about personal growth and sharing. And it requires time. So I think just juggling everything sometimes is hard and sort of a lot of C-suite executive push that aside and they shouldn't because I think that's one of the most important thing uh, to carry your business forward. Do you feel like a lot of execs that are in that position, do you think that they're surprised to learn that it takes so much time? Or do you think that there's an awareness around that and they just, it's about the skill building? You know, I, I saw this Stanford uh, case research done on like over 2000 startup tech companies. And it's interesting because it says that 94% of the executive said that they think culture is the most important thing, okay? But then when asked who is responsible in the organization for culture, they didn't know how to answer that. And I think that's really interesting. I mean, we all know it's leading by example, right? And that, how you even parent your children, right? But sometimes in these companies, something happens where, I don't know, it falls in, in a way that people just don't put the right focus on it, I guess. Uh, in terms of like um, that research, the Stanford research, it said that adaptability is one of the key things. Adaptability in a, was the most important, uh, impactful thing in building a culture in successful winning uh, companies. And what is adaptability? How did they define it? They talked about innovation, creating those innovators within they talked about environment where you can really take risks, that risks are rewarded. But think about what we talked about earlier. Where do you feel like you can take risks where you feel safe, right? You will only take risks where you feel safe in a company. So it, it all ties together. It all kind of makes sense when you think about it like that. Oh, yeah. Full circle. And 
great stats, by the way. And I think that that tells a really interesting story that the awareness is there. It's the who does it that is maybe not, that is something to figure out. But yes, I think that it does take us full circle. And for me as a coach, I always sit in this realm of the professional and the personal development because I believe that they are so intertwined. And it's almost like that mirror, right? Like the way that you show up in your career as a C-level executive, it mirrors so much of, you know, maybe not your home life, Exactly. But there's patterns there. There are things there. If you don't have that environment, whether when you were younger, whether it's in your adult life or those key developmental years, if you weren't showcased, if you didn't have somebody leading by example, how would you possibly know how to do that? So I work with a lot of leaders on kind of that reflection of, I don't know what it's like to lead by example. I have never seen that before. I've never been in those environments. I don't know what an environment where um, psychological safety is prioritized. I don't know what that looks like. And I just think it's really interesting kind of making that connection back to the human, the the person yes. that is leading. Yeah, that, that's really interesting what you just said, because, you know, you do kind of, we're talking about culture and you bring people from all, I mean, our company, we have multiple cultures, people from different places in the world. Everybody's raised with different values, maybe. That's part of the hiring process where I said it's really important to ask questions, not just about KPIs. And if you hit your goals, it's important to ask questions to understand how they act in situations where there's a challenge, where there's a disagreement, right? And then you can kind of see exactly what you're talking about, kind of do they have what it takes for this company to fit what we currently have, our talent. Would it work together? Would it be a good fit, right? Mm -hmm. You never know what luggage people are bringing with them. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, which is just important. It's like you have all this luggage and at some point you got to go through TSA checkpoints. (laughs) People are going to see what you got going on. And the language you use as well, like, you know, like, We're talking about uh, listening and transparency and all these things, but it's how we talk. Like if if I sit in meetings and I say, I, 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 my team sees that. I don't believe that. Everything I do today, it takes a lot of people to help me get there. Every little task requires a lot of people to help put it together. So that even expression when you're working in a company and, and you're in leadership position, that sends a very strong message because that's how your people are going to talk with internally in their own teams. So that, again, I think, you know, it's a lot about how we speak, how we listen, all of it. Fantastic point around language and and just how important words are. I'm curious if we can dive a little bit into the culture at OSA. How would you first describe the culture at OSA? Again, I'm, I'm very proud of the team we have. I think we have people who are, first of all, kind, kind to each other. And it's really important because in an environment of a startup, there's so many challenges, like daily, I'm not even kidding. Like the day can start one way and it can end up completely in a different note. So being kind is a big deal because it requires a lot of patience. We're very stressed, a lot of us in some points of the day. So how you handle when there is a stressful moment does matter. And you can see a lot of characters come in and how they react really impacts everyone else. So we have people who I call the fixers, where they're always calm and they kind of, because we empower them, 
they kind of pull everybody else who's maybe more stressful into their energy, which I think is really, really helpful. And just become those problem solvers. It's not about blame. Like we don't blame. We work together. And that I think was a big deal for me in this company, just seeing how people care about the overall goal to just win as a company. But it's not my win or another person's win. It's us as a unit. And you can see it. You can't fake it. Like you can see it when they get together when we were in New York for the conference. You see that that's how they genuinely feel and that's how they work together. And again, part of that is just giving credit and praise publicly, appreciating people, transparency in what we do so people know what other teams are working on and how they can collaborate and be encouraged to to get out of your own niche, your own box and do things that are more innovative and creative for the company. I really like that people come with crazy ideas and want to do something different or they're telling me, hey, this is not working. Can we do this? Can we try something new? That's the mindset you the mindset you want. That's adaptability, basically. That's what it is. So I think the culture for us is very much like that. And and again, getting it to that culture, it's not easy. You have to work all the time in it. Even for us, we are three co-founders. Each one comes from a different cultural background. So I think the way we all aligned very quickly was because we knew what was most important to us in building this company out and those values. And then even if you have people that come from different backgrounds, once they know that those are the values, everybody sort of finds a way to meet each other, right? I love what you said about the idea of of people having almost roles outside of their roles, you know, like the fixers. And same with like in society, right? We need those those people too, the fixers, the connectors, the educators. And that is empowering even just to have that role outside of your role of like you're the person that people go to if they need to learn something or if they need to be connected to somebody else. That's fantastic. I want to talk about building culture with three other individuals, three other founders, different backgrounds, different cultures. I imagine you have your fair share of stories around challenges in cultivating that company culture. And I am curious if you'd be willing to share some of those challenges and how you've navigated them. I think, you know, just from the three of us, there are two men and me, right? So even that creates a different balance. But I'm very lucky because we have a lot of respect between the three of us. So I think, again, once you know your goal and you align on your goal, what do we want to achieve here? What's important? And you support and you eliminate the ego. The ego is the worst thing. I've seen it in many, many companies. If people come in with a big ego, you can't do anything. It's going to backfire. But when you have people who really understand how everybody brings a relevant piece, right? I'm very different from my co-founders. They're amazing in their fields. Each one knows exactly what they're bringing to the table. So I feel like when you have that mutual respect and you build each other up and they definitely build me up, I feel like everything else sort of just works itself out. You can tackle any challenge and just as being a unit. But when you have ego, then it's a problem. Then you can't, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Our ego only cares about one thing and that is our survival in our perfect little world that we tell ourselves exists. Ego comes up a lot in these conversations. It's it's definitely a common theme and I have my own thoughts on ego, but I'm curious when you say ego, what does it mean to you? For me, it's the person really that 
I'll take it to the work environment, right? That puts himself as the most important piece of the puzzle and just goes through his days and whatever task or project in that manner. And when you have that, it, it's really problematic because I mean, I do, I think and people see that I do a lot of things that are not maybe in my interest, but I say that's in the company's interest. That's what's going to get us to the next level. And my co-founders are exactly the same. And again, when your team sees that on a daily basis, they know that they should internally look at themselves within their teams and do exactly that because that's what's expected from your leadership, right? That's how they go through uh, their daily tasks. So I think for me, someone who just puts himself constantly in the front and has his own personal agenda, he really misses the big picture. You you can't hit that. You need your people. You need support. It's all about collaboration, honestly. And it, and it comes from most of the people I know that lead it through ego had a lot of confidence issues. So it usually goes together. People don't see it, but as you grow up and you're mature, then you're able to understand where all these things come from, right? But when you're young, you just get intimidated by them, and that's unfortunate, right? Yeah, yeah, great explanation. I love the conversation around ego just because everybody does have their own view on it, and there's lots of different ways to tackle your ego. And I just had uh, Kyle Lacey and I were talking about that on an episode uh, recently as well, and. I just think you're so right. You know, learning how to work with your ego is really interesting because you can't just be like, go away, ego. I don't want to ever see you. It's not possible. So it's really about learning what does my ego look like? How does it operate? When does it show up? What does it sound like? And then being able to have that differentiation so you can work with your ego because it's not always bad. But there are times where it can be extremely detrimental to not only you, but obviously others around you as you as you highlighted. That's so true. And and everybody has sensitivities. Everybody comes in with their own package, right? But I think that people, like you said, that deal with it, that understand themselves better, that take the time to say, okay, this is me maybe being now too sensitive in this specific situation and understanding how to talk to yourself and do better, right? It's all about doing better. I think that's really important. It's really important, not just at work, in our personal lives too. Agree. Okay, so speaking of doing better, as we start to wind down, I would love to hear if you have guidance or advice that you could provide to other leaders who are looking to build that robust, positive company culture that really motivates their team, aligns with their values? What advice do you have for those leaders? Again, pay attention, pay attention, listen. Be a place where people want to come and share. Be that open door, right? Today we're all Zoom, so it's a little more tricky, but but still, I mean, I've been remote from my team for a very long time and you can definitely create the bond. Invest in what? Have things that have nothing to do with work, those meanings that you can learn who you're working with, they're a little bit about their personal lives. You have to be open to that. You have to show people that you're there to really listen and that you care. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, when people feel like they have that connection, again, they'll become your brand ambassadors. They'll be able to be talking about the business 
just like you, because they care, because they feel invested in and because you, they feel that you've invested in their personal life. So definitely listening, communication, open door, transparency. Don't hide the bad things. If there are challenges happening in the company, the worst thing that people feel is not being in the know. That creates a whole lot of gossip and people don't feel confident. People get scared, right? So even if there's information, you can't share everything. Try as best of your ability to, to have honest conversations and and make sure that you, your people feel, you know, confident in where the company is heading. Fantastic advice. Yifa, thank you so much for joining the show and showcasing us what it looks like to be a leader who leads and shares the culture and the values and how that starts at the top. I am grateful for this conversation and you sharing your insights. And congratulations on all the success. And I'm excited to see what's next for you as you continue with OSA. Thank you, Anna. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you walk away with something empowering that you can take into your own leadership journey. Are you a high-performing executive looking to take your career to the next level? Or maybe you're an emerging leader who wants to develop the skills you need to advance in your role and show up authentically. Or maybe you're experiencing burnout and struggling to find a better work-life balance. Whatever your situation is, one-on-one coaching can help you achieve your personal and professional goals. If you're interested in experiencing the power of coaching for yourself, head on over to hypehousecoaching.com backslash start coaching now where you can set up a one-on-one leadership and executive coaching intro session for free. Remember, the only hype that really matters is the hype within.